the volume. Oral Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. FanDuel is the best. They're America's number one sportsbook. It's so easy to use, safe and secure. What more do you need to hear here? There's fast payouts too, as quick as two hours. What a turnaround. And there's so many different bet types as well. The same game parlay bets, live betting, player props, futures. There's risk-free bets and the same game parlay bets, enhanced odds markets. There's so much more. It's fantastic. It will not let you down. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9889 in Tennessee. Or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the sessions. This is the very last episode of 2021. What a year we have had. Oh my gosh, so many great interviews, so many amazing guests. I love getting to do the show and I truly do feel like the show is like so in its infancy and there's so much that I want to do and you know looking forward to 2022 getting like New Year's resolutions and things that you want to do and for me it's it's broadening the show out obviously I love having on wrestlers I love getting to have on my friends and these people that I just think have such fascinating stories and whose brains I want to pick and get to talk to uh, but I think even branching out and having on some other people different athletes uh, different people from you know so many different walks of life So that's something I think we can look forward to for 2022. But this episode today, an exclusive baby, their first interview um, since being released by WWE. I've got on Killer Cross and Scarlett Bordeaux. These two are absolute stars. Oh my God. It's like palpable. They're so amazing at what they do. Um, So of course it was very shocking uh, to hear that they had been released by WWE. I just cannot believe that they would let um, talents like this become free agents. And that's exactly what they are right now. Um, But I don't need to give anything away. You guys are already here. You want to hear from these two. So here they are. Killer Cross, Scarlett Bordeaux. You sweet pair. How are you guys doing? Oh my gosh. We're so good. How are you? Good. I don't even know where to start with you guys right now, except for like, what the fuck, man? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I feel like my mind is blown. Okay. We're living in this crazy, bizarro world where tons of people are being released. So many different things are happening in the world of wrestling. But truly, when I saw your guy's name pop up on the old interwebs, as people that were on this list of talent that was released, I just could not wrap my head around it. Have you guys wrapped your head around it yet? I think even the night it happened, he was dropping me off at Newark airport. So we were five minutes from the airport. Um, I was going home two days early from visiting his family and we got the phone call. And I just remember being like, are you fucking serious? (laughs) Like, are you serious? And then it was funny because he got the call five minutes after. And the first thing he says to me when he looks over, he's like, Thank God. He's like, thank God it's not just you. It's both of us at least. Yeah. It was unusual, but like, to be honest with you, like I kind of felt like it was coming. 
Um, <laughs> I mean, just like I, I felt like the situation could have been recovered with like the presentation on main roster. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like it could have been recovered. It's fiction. So like in a world of fiction, the possibilities are endless. But I was like, yeah, I had a weird feeling that night just on the debut. I was like, I kind of feel like this is the direction it's going in. So there was like a sense of disappointment, but there was also a sense of like relief as well, because like, you know, like as an artist, imagine like if you were a comedian for anyone who's listening, maybe who's not exactly a wrestling fan or like hasn't done wrestling. You go on stage and then right as they're about to like drop your name in front of the crowd, the, you know, like person who owns the nightclub's like, Hey, you can't use your best jokes, by the way. So go knock it out the park. And it's like, what? Like for weeks, he was actually saying, you just just had a feeling. And I was like, no, no, there's no way. And I wasn't medically cleared yet. What were you out with? I was having uh, matches uh, before Raw and SmackDown because they wanted me to wrestle. And after the second match, everything was going great. I get home that night and I look in the mirror and I'm like, one of these doesn't look like the other. Oh, your boobs. Yes. So the next day was NXT and I immediately go to medical. I'm like, hey, I'm not sure if I'm crazy. I'm not sure if it always looked like this. <laughs> like, maybe I'm just tired. So I tried to, I just went to bed. I'm like, that's, you know, with the adrenaline from wrestling, you don't even notice like certain things hurt all the time. So I didn't even think anything of it, but I went to medical and they were like, oh my God, yes. Like one of your boobs is totally gone. But I was like, okay, I can get the surgery and then I can manage, you know, I can be ringside. That's no problem. I just can't wrestle right away. But the plan was, I guess, for me to, to wrestle. So then they're like, when we're, when you're totally clear, we're going to have you wrestle. So they scrapped all the managing stuff at that point. And uh, I was sitting at home for those last four months, just waiting. So what was the feeling for, for you, like Kevin? I mean, for you to be there and to be brought up to the main roster, just the way things kind of all unfold. I mean, I have a million questions, but like, what was sort of that feeling to you of thinking that that was uh, the other shoe was going to drop on that? When I went up and they asked me to do the match with Jeff and put him over, I was like, sure, that's fine. You know what I mean? Like, I grew up a fan of Jeff and then getting to meet Jeff and actually like him being really cool was like an awesome experience for me. He's literally one of the coolest people I've ever met. So I was like, that's fine. And I remember um, one of the agents came to me and they're like, Hey, there's a long-term plan for this. So don't sweat it. Don't worry. I'm like, okay, cool. I do my entrance and I get out there. Ref comes to me and he goes, Hey, he goes, your 10 minute match is down to 90 seconds. And you've never worked with Jeff before. First time we're working on television. You know, we don't really know each other. Like in the ring, you know, our rhythm. They come back from commercial and I'm trying not to laugh. If you see, if you go back and watch it, I'm smiling, you know, like closed mouth, trying to hold it back. As soon as Jeff got in the ring, I just snatched him and I just called what we needed to do. And, and that was it. But like when I went back to NXT the next day, I, I spoke with someone there and I just said, I go, look, like my biggest fear right now, my biggest phobia is that there's a hole being dug for me. And I'm nervous that if I'm not permitted to crawl out of it myself and people absolve themselves of creating the situation that, you know, I'm not going to be a return as an investment. I'm going to get fired. So what do you think I should do right now? Because part of this business is, you know, doing what you're told. My intuition intuitively was telling me that everything was off. Everything felt wrong. And I felt something bad coming like four months before it happened. But everyone I would talk to was like, oh no, you know, everybody loves you. This is good. You have no problems. Yada, yada. But I felt it coming then. I tried to, as professionally and politely as I could, talk to people in the chain of command about that. And, and get the I, idea over. Do the best you could with yeah. what you were given. But yeah, and I just tried to be a good sport about everything. So why the change of character? Why would we go from, you know, carrying cross, but you were able to do it NXT, which was awesome. You two together, just absolute stars. And then 
I mean, you know, there's always sort of that question of like going from NXT onto Raw or SmackDown and how characters change or whatever, but like you completely changed. What was that conversation like? And what was sort of the creative on that, that they wanted you to be? I got an email with like the, what it was supposed to look like. And apparently the music was supposed to change. The entrance was supposed to change. And this was supposed to be like an enhanced expanded version. It evolving, evolving something that was already good to something different and better. And, you know, just, just different. And so like when I saw it, the picture of it, I showed it to her. We were sitting on the couch and I just started laughing. And I said, I could be comfortable wearing this, but this is, this is not going to get over in 2021. And it's confusing too, because it's like, why is the music that I'm singing? It's still there. And then there's a mask there, but there's no explanation. So sometimes if there's one promo to explain why all of a sudden you put a mask on, why, why is Scarlett still singing? But when there's no explanation, people feel like they had something taken away versus if it would have been even a new song and a whole new presentation, people would be like, okay, this is new. But it just felt like a, maybe an amputated version of yeah. what it was. I look at it like this. Like, nobody wants a reputation of being difficult to work with. Nobody wants a reputation for being a mark for themselves or not wanting to do business. And here I am. I, for me personally, had the dream experience in NXT. I walked in there. My ideas were embraced. We collectively collaborated on stuff. You were a star right off the jump. Like as soon as you guys showed up, it was like you guys hit the ground running, which was awesome because a lot of times people join, like sign in and you're kind of stuck there, you know, figuring shit out for a little bit, but you guys were working right away. Thank you. And thank you. And I I just felt inclined as a professional to embrace these ideas that were being given me because that's all I was getting in NXT. If I had an idea and I had something that I wanted to say, or I had an idea to contribute or something, it was always met with enthusiasm. Or if they thought the idea was not great, they would make it better. So I thought to myself, like, I kind of owe it to them to, like, engage them with this. We were also ready when we signed up for WWE. We're like, we're trading creative freedom to finally be able to, like, have a steady income. We got our house because of WWE. We're so grateful even to have jobs during the pandemic when people we knew, like, I have family members who lost their jobs and, um, you knew people like that too. And people were, people were struggling on the independent scene. So we we're so grateful for anything we were given. So we, we try to take that perspective no matter what. We're like, it's, it's not our money. And no matter what, we're going to be, we're going to make the best of whatever it is. So that's how we try to take it. But it's a two-way street. And that's the part that, you know what I mean? You don't have any control over. What were the conversations? Like, were you talking to Vince about what his vision was for what you were doing versus... I'm assuming that it was mostly Hunter or Sean or Road Dog, whoever you were talking to at NXT with the creative there. Like, what is sort of the push and pull from both ends of that from the creative at NXT versus what Vince has uh, for a vision of you? As it was explained to me, two separate entities. Like, NXT really couldn't interfere or expand or, like, even be involved with anything that was going on for main roster from a creative standpoint. Because I was transitioning, there was, like, nothing that could be done. They just said, ask lots of questions. It is two, very much two different brands. Yeah. As it us. And we're ready for that. But um, I think we're just confident in our own abilities. Promo work, wrestling-wise, we're like, we can get anything they, they give us over. Okay, so the decision to separate you guys, what went into that? Because I think that was like the other thing where it's like, okay, cool, you guys are on the main roster, but wait, Scarlett's not with them. Why? Like, you guys are such a dynamic duo. Did they explain any of that to you? Aside from, obviously, Scarlett, they wanted you to wrestle? They had us doing uh, like main event matches. We did uh, dark matches. They, they wanted to see everything. So I was joking with him the day I had to wrestle. I'm like, what if 
the match is too good. And then they really like it. They want to separate us. That was one of my fears. He's like, no, just kill it. It's going to be fine no matter what. And I think uh, the first match was really good. And immediately when they saw that I could wrestle. Who did you wrestle? Uh, Shotzi Blackheart, both times. Which I will say, nothing with busted implant was her fault or anything. I don't know on what had happened. It could have even been a DT or just falling forward. Like it could have been anything. So I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't anything. Oh, it happens. I mean, I feel like that's something you hear about in the locker room all the time. I don't know how much of that ever gets out, but it's like, booby down, SOS. <laughs> like people haven't talked to us about it as much how often it happens. But even when I went to the doctor, um, they were like, oh yeah, we've, we've done a lot of the girls who work there, you know, whoever put implants. So it's usually very secret, but I, I'm, I wasn't afraid to talk about it, but I was told like, hey, it's probably better if you don't tell everyone yeah. what happened. But I'm, I'm not embarrassed <laughs> by it. It's just it's something that happened. Fight fans, throw your best haymaker with a risk-free first bet from FanDuel Sportsbook. Even if your fighter gets knocked out or tapped out, new customers get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up with promo code Renee and you'll be able to bet on all the biggest boxing matches and UFC fights. FanDuel offers all your favorite bets. Choose from the money line to the method of victory to which round the fight will end. And there's so much more. You can even parlay different fight bets together. The bigger your parlay, the bigger your potential payout becomes. You guys do not want to miss out on this. You know, FanDuel is America's number one sports book. The app is also so incredibly easy to use. And when you win, you get paid in as little as two hours. Come on, man. Let's all get paid. To place your first bet risk-free, just sign up with the promo code Renee, R-E-N-E-E, and make every fight night mean more with the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 for Arizona. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-270-71117 for confidential help in Michigan. TN Redline 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. So what do you think is the feeling? I feel like everyone I talk to that, you know, is in a similar situation as you guys is that sense of relief. What do you think that's about? I was trying to make sure that I don't accidentally come off like salty about anything because like, yeah, sure. Like I'm disappointed, but at the same time, like I try to keep stuff in perspective of like the experience that I had, the people that I met, the people I got to work with, what sort of life was afforded by working there. But I mean, also at the same time, like I can't bullshit people and pretend like the last couple months of my career there were not really bizarre. And um, I was relieved because it was like, this is not the best version of myself as a performer. And my hands are tied, you know, and that's kind of part of the deal. And so I didn't really have any sort of sympathy for myself. And I wasn't really bitter about the whole thing. I was just disappointed. And I was just like, I, I would love to make this work, but it's just not working. So I was kind of ready to just like move on in a way. And I don't mean that, like, you know, to sound like an asshole or something. I was grateful. You came there to perform. And when it came down to to even choose to be a wrestler, it was never about the money. That was, that was a benefit, definitely. But we didn't want to have office nine to five jobs. We got into this because we love being creative. We love performing. And if it came down to it, it's like, we'd rather take less money and love our lives. And like, we don't need that much. But 
I wasn't relieved. I was pissed because I'm like, ah, there's still so much we had to do. I feel like I was, I was ready to wrestle. I was ready to show people all these other things I can do. But then I was just excited because the last four months I was literally sitting at home trying to pass the time. Like, and I wasn't even allowed to bump or really train. So I was just sitting there like, you know, ready to go and perform in the moment, moment I was released. I'm like, great. I'm going to start to travel again, perform, do everything I've been wanting to do. When you first started NXT and you guys came out with your amazing entrance, who kind of put that all together for you guys and Scarlett, you doing the music, all of that. I mean, that really, I mean, you guys are obviously both two creative people. Did you guys have a a heavy hand in putting that together? We were, I don't know, just like approached uh, from whole creative, you know, department in NXT and Hunter. Hunter's a genius, by the way. Hunter's a genius. All those yeah, people Hunter's are so great. good to work with. Yeah. Hunter was brilliant. The name that never gets mentioned, too, is Johnny Russo. He's yes. the head writer at NXT. He's oh, a- yeah. Johnny Russo's great. They had asked me to send over some of my independent stuff uh, from YouTube. I've been chronologically just trying to log my career. And I used to create these short films and stuff about the character so people would have some sort of context of who this was so i would send them my original stuff and i'd be like hey listen if we plug this into the machine that is there be globally i think that this character would be original new fresh there's different elements that i think could really contribute to the show that respectfully are not there i didn't want to come into the show like somebody else just like any wrestling show you know you want to have like a healthy variety of different things creatively going on so i showed that to them and they dug it and they took different aspects of that and then kind of made their own version of it. Hunter put us in touch with uh, Neil, who was the music guy with the company. And so he had sent like a couple different tracks. And the first track that they actually sent, and I didn't want to be a pain in the ass. I wasn't crazy about it. She wasn't crazy about it either. Immediately. You, you were a lot nicer about it, but I'm like, oh no, this doesn't, it doesn't feel, yeah. feel right. And I sent it, uh, Hunter heard it. He messaged me back and he's like, I don't know about this. He kind of like got a little bit more involved with it. And then um, they came up with the track that you guys heard. And then he had asked, he was like, hey, would she want to sing this song? Because he, he, he came up with the Fallen Prey. It was Hunter yeah. came up with the Fallen Prey and sent us a few of the lines. And he's, we had a track. He said, can you sing, like make up a melody to sing? So I was on my phone in my bathroom trying to come up with something because I have a musical theater background. So if you knew I sang, it was the pandemic. We um, debuted in front of no one and we couldn't get into a studio at that time. So I just did it on my phone sent it to him. He loved it. And then the next day we re-record it in the PC room, still on a phone, but with luckily the, you couldn't hear the echoing from my bathroom, but yeah, <laughs> everything was recorded um, off the cell phone. So they knew off the jump that you can sing and that you have like all of these other kind of skills to tap into. Oh, they know everything about you. I didn't know they knew, but I just thought somehow they, they can find out everything, but they, they looked at our old stuff, luckily. So I didn't, I didn't tell them. So just to take a, a quick little deviation here, how did you go from majoring in a musical theater to getting into wrestling? Bridge that gap for me. What happened? I was invited to my first independent wrestling show when I was a senior in high school and I went instead of going to my prom. I love it immediately. The show was actually AAW in uh, Chicago. So after the show, I went up to Danny Daniels and I said, hey, um, I wasn't allowed to watch this as a kid. I, I don't know very much about it, but this, this stuff is awesome. Can I, can I help set up chairs, help set up the ring, you know, pick up garbage, sell raffles, I guess, things like that, just so I could learn and be backstage. So I did that uh, through the rest of the summer and fall until finally in, uh, what was it, December, he asked me if I had a sexy Santa costume. <laughs> Do I? I'm like, I can get one. Um, and he's like, I'm going to give you a pile driver in the ring. And I didn't know what a pile, I didn't know what a pile driver was. 
but I'm like, yeah, of course. Yeah, sure. And everyone just told me like, you, you know what this is? Like, oh, it's just, it's going to be fine. They just told me to tuck my chin. I got carried to the back and they threw a bucket of snow on me and said, welcome to business. And I started training after that. That's hilarious. In the musical theater world, though, what did you want to achieve in the theater world that uh, that you didn't get to to fulfill by going into the wrestling world? Did you want to be in like Cats? Like, what is the goal? Les Miserables was my uh, favorite stage show ever, but I had notes on my vocal cords. And I'm like, I don't know if I can sing consistently because I keep having vocal issues. I started to get more into wrestling during that time and wrestling kind of took over. Okay, so taking things back to the wrestling side of things, what is your relationship like with Hunter? Because I know, uh, Kevin, I mean, you texted Hunter straight up when you were you wanted to maybe look into being a part of NXT or WWE. What happened? John leaves WWE. John yes. Or John. I think to myself, I'm starving on the indies, and I just want to work with people that are better than me. I want to be in the ring with people that have done this at the highest level, and all of a sudden, he's independent. You know, I'm looking on the internet. I'm like, no one's like, I don't know, attempting to create some sort of feud or, or like reach out to him to see if he's like willing to work. Nobody like, no does one's, that though. No one's trying to sell tickets with him. And I'm like, are you guys insane? So I basically kind of like put this promo together. It was like a, a short vignette trying to test the waters to see if people would be interested to see if him and I would work. Not knowing him, but like having mutual friends. I didn't want to call him and ask for his number. I'm not that guy. I was like, I'm just going to put something out there and see if people would want to see this. And sure enough, there was an interest. John randomly texts me and he's like, uh, through a mutual friend, he's like, hey, what's going on? We start talking. I'm like, I'm running a show in Las Vegas, Natural Born Killers. It was like a mix between UWFI Japan, a little bit like Bloodsport. I was trying to create an environment in Vegas to prepare people to actually go to Josh Manassa Bloodsport. So I was like, this is what I'm doing. He's like, don't tell anybody showing up. And let me tell you, and I did not tell anybody, not even the promoter knew until the day of that he was showing up. <laughs> I was like, we're doing this old school. We're not telling anybody. They thought it was going to be someone else. Like, I have a mystery. It was just something I have a mystery opponent. And they're trying to guess, oh, who is it? Who is it? Yeah. No one guessed. Going to wrestle Dan yeah. Severn. And then afterwards, someone was going to show up. So he comes out. We work. We barely talked about anything. Natural rhythm and chemistry was awesome. I'm talking to him after the match. And he's just like, hey, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? And so I'm just rattling off some ideas and stuff like that. He was like, hey, do whatever you want. I'm not going to tell you what to do. But one day, Roman's going to need somebody else to work with after he's done working with Drew. And I'm just saying, I think you would do very well there. But go wherever you want and do whatever you want to do. And in my mind, I'm like, holy shit. This is a person who's been at the highest level recently, too. It's not like it was a few years ago. Very humbled by that. And I just thought to myself, I'm like, if he's fucking saying that to me, what other sort of like level of assurance do I need? I need to stop fucking around here. So he basically, he was just like, yeah, he's like, just call Hunter. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? Just, 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 just call, call just Hunter. Call Hunter. He said it like it was nothing. Call him and just tell me when I do want to show up. And I'm just like, really? He's like, yeah. he's like I'm going to get him your number. You're going to call him right now. And it's just like, holy shit. Like that was a lot for me. You know what I mean? And I just wrestled in front of 130 people in a fucking warehouse. And he's like, yeah, just call Hunter. You know, when the time was right, I basically called Hunter and it was so funny. So I had sent him a text just so he wasn't getting a number randomly out of nowhere. When I basically just told him in the first conversation, I said, look, sir, I would love to be a part of the company. If you think I have any sort of value to contribute to the show, I have a lot of really interesting ideas. I talked to him about monetizing certain types of like characters and symbols and stuff like that. Like I tried to appeal to the business sense because that company can hire wrestlers from anywhere. 
finding wrestlers is, I don't think is really a problem, but it's finding like that sort of total package thing. And that's kind of how Hunter and I began talking. And it's because of you too. <laughs> I, I was just there. I was just there hanging out, but I remember John just being so excited. Cause that was one of, that was one of the first things he showed up at more or less. I mean, since after he left WWE to like, to my recollection, I mean, aside from him, like being at AEW, of course, and a double or nothing from showing up at that. But I feel like that was one of the first like real indie shows. Cause he was really excited to be able to like be there in like this like warehouse. And he was like picking out his music and like that whole aspect. Cause I remember being very excited to go to that show and see, I've never really seen him in that world. So it was cool for me to see him like just behind like the, the drape and curtain kind of situation and his music hits and seeing you guys do your whole deal. It, it was really, really cool for, for me to just be like a fly on the wall for all of that. Like what would you have done differently or what do you wish had been done differently? This may shock a lot of people, but like I said, I like to look at the glass half full. If someone had presented a crystal ball and said, this is how your career is going to go at WB. And by the end of it, this is what's going to happen. And there's nothing you can do about it. Would you like to go? Or would you just like to skip this period? I would honestly have gone because I learned so much. And I grew as a person and especially with what was going on in the world at that time, like it served many purposes in a greater aspect to be there mentally, physically, spiritually. We're WWE superstars. No one can ever take that away from us. If I could have done something differently, I mean, very simply put, I would have attempted to maintain continuity of what we were doing in NXT and taking that to the main roster because fans were already fantasy booking us to be walking down the aisle at WrestleMania. Going against Brain Alexa, we kept fantasizing about that. We're like, oh, this would be so great. And then Drew Drew said he wanted to work. Drew Drew, Drew was like a big endorsing us probably and stuff like that. Like everybody was so cool. You know, the fans were telling the company what they wanted to see. And so the matches were there. The tickets could have been sold. If we had just listened to what people were telling them that they wanted, this would have been super easy, in my opinion. If we could have done things differently, that's what I would have done. It kind of like bums me out that like you can see things like this happening and you see, I don't want to call it like a revolt. That's a strong word. But like, you know, when the fans see something going, maybe the way that they don't want to be going, which is usually more or less in line of what I assume that you want as a talent as well. And, you know, I, I think you can kind of draw some similarities between what happened to Keith Lee as well of like, have him go up to the main roster and everyone's so excited about it. And then there's these changes and these halts and these pauses and, it can just be so confusing. And then I think that that makes fans really upset as well. Like it, it sucks for them to not get that payoff of the investment that they've put into you as well. I think honestly, I felt worse for them than I did for us because yeah. her and I are very solution-based thinkers. So as soon as we got those calls, we're like, all right, how do we improve this situation? We're not really people to sit around and, and dwell on shit. And Night of, I'm like, I put my email up there. I'm like, I'm taking bookings. Let's go. All that aside... That said and done, 2022, just around the corner. What's next? What are you guys doing? What is the plan? Um, so I have a magazine cover that's coming out in January, which is really cool. Um, Yay. Going back to wrestle in Alaska. Lots of wrestling bookings coming up. Uh, my first match, I wanted to be very special. So I booked it um, against one of my best friends, Harley Cameron, who's in the music video with us. So I wanted to be something very special, but I don't know where we're going to end up next, but we are going to do as many independent wrestling bookings as possible and travel as much as possible and just enjoy the creative freedom, I guess. Yeah. Kevin, what about you? What's going on with you? I have bookings all the way from 
February into April. You have a movie? What is this movie that you're doing? How did that come about? Basically, people who have known me for a while, people who have been fans of my work, uh, they were pretty blown away about like the stuff that was you know coming out publicly about being released and stuff like that. But they were also pretty excited and had basically just reached out. And we were like, we would love to get you in this thing. I'm not sure how much I can talk about it, but I, I think it's okay for me to say that um, I'm going to be playing an underground fighter in a very bad town. It'll be very violent, but it'll also be a little bit of a dark comedy. So. I have a very small role in it, but I am in it as well. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and what about the wedding? Tell me about you guys getting engaged. Give me a little bit of the romance. Give me a little backstory, like how you guys met and got together. This is how the engagement happened. So she was super busy. I was taking care of you a lot when you were on the road and you were stressed out on when was going to happen. So I was trying to make things as easy as possible. When he was coming home, I'd cook, I'd clean, and I just I was you know, being a nice little yeah. homemaker and trying to like, you know, let, let you decompress every time you come home from the road. And so I was aware of this. She had asked me when I was leaving the gym, if I could just pick up one or two things. And it was like for dinner, but there was one thing that she wanted. She wanted these organic chocolate, peanut butter, like Reese's cups. And so I went to six different fucking stores to find this candy. And I was pissed because I told him dinner. He told me to be home in 30 minutes and it's like yeah. two out over two hours later. And yeah. I'm like, We're, I was pissed. I was not home in 30 minutes. Oh, he's not home in 30 minutes. So, but I was like, it's the only thing she's asked me for in five days. So I'm going to fucking get it. And so I was hell bent on finding this candy. So I finally found it and I found basically like a bag of it. Because I don't want to get her just like, you know, like the little two-piece thing. I was like, I'm going to make sure she's good with this. I come home and I'm like hiding the bag. And I'm like, oh, like, thanks for coming home, babe. You got me my, I think it was maybe heavy cream or something I needed to cook with. I'm like, all right, dinner, dinner's warm. Let's sit down. Let's eat. And so like basically like as a joke, I basically like took her outside. I was like, come here, I want to show you something. I was like, all right, turn around, close your eyes. She's like, all right. You know, like, what the fuck's going on here? So I get down on one knee and I take one little chocolate peanut butter cup and it's in my hand. And I go, all right, turn around. She's like, she's like, all right. And he's down on one knee, one by knee. the way. And I'm like, I found them. And it's only one. And she's like, wow, thanks a lot. Hey, thanks a lot. That's I great. kissed him. Like, let's go inside now. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you're not like, I thought you'd be really excited about this. Okay. I was like, all right, well, let me try one more thing. Let me try one more thing. And she's like, oh. So she turns around and now I basically take out the bag. So I go, all right, turn around. And then there's the whole bag. And she's like, okay, yeah, this is really funny. Like, yeah, this is so good. All right. Let's go eat dinner. And I'm just like, I can't believe, like, I went to five different stores to find this. You're like, not into this? And she's like, this is just like a lot for a very little. Like, yeah. really like to go there. And I'm like, all right, this is the last thing I got for you. It's a big surprise. She's like, oh, yeah, big fucking surprise. You know? Turns around and then I pull out the ring. And then she turns around. Ugly crying. Just ugly crying. I feel like such an asshole. I'm like crying. And like, I, I was sick that day. He was having a bad day. It was just not a good day in general. It was a bad day. And he told me, after he said, will you marry me? And I said, of course. He said, there's going to be a lot of days like this that, you know, aren't so great. You know, we're not feeling so good, but we can make it into something special and meaningful to do it in our backyard, you know, in the home we first bought together. And we had just moved to the home, I think a week before too. So we didn't even have our furniture yet. So just looking around, like how far we've come and just knowing that even, even on those bad days, like really all we need is each other. We can turn any crappy day special with each other. Yeah. I love that. That's amazing. So when's the wedding happening? Have you guys started planning that? Have you had the conversations about figuring out that part now? 
So I was on the road most of this month. Um, I got to try on a couple dresses. I haven't found anything I like yet, but I think I'd really like to elope. I want to go somewhere where there's mountains. Um, I was looking at Montana and I really just want close friends and family there because we're talking about it. I'm like, I don't think a hundred person wedding or more people is for me. A lot of these people, like we might not even see in 10 years. I feel like I want it to be for us and I want to be surrounded by people who care about us. And I just want to do it somewhere beautiful and have really good food. But when we plan it, it's going to be maybe two or three weeks ahead. And we're just going to call up our people and be like, all right, get on the flight. We're going. Yeah. That's the way to do it. I feel it's like, spend so much money trying to like cater things and get people somewhere and booking a venue and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you really just want it to be you guys. You want it to be nice and simple and pared down. Like John and I got married for, it was $500, which included the tip. And that was it. We called it a day. I had it. I happened to have a white dress hanging in my closet. And same thing. We were like, we had a weird bad day. I like went up to bed in like a bit of a mood and he comes storming up after me. And we're like, we're going to get married right now. And we're like, okay. Shit, here we go. <laughs> it, could, it could be nice. We were even talking to go, what about after Christmas? But I think just because I haven't found the dress, it was the moment I find the dress, it could be anytime. Yay. That's awesome. Very, very cool. I'm excited for you guys for 2022. I'm sure tons of stuff is going to come up for you, especially as like, I mean, things are open and things are moving now. There could not really be a better time in professional wrestling to be free agents, to be able to pop around and kind of scratch that creative itch. What do you guys think of looking back now and seeing what NXT is doing with NXT 2.0? We have so many friends there that no matter what, like we want everyone to be successful and, you know, have jobs. So we want it to do well because if, if it doesn't do well, I mean, like that's even more people we care about, you know, out of the job. So if we want it to be successful, it's different. I'll say this. It maybe feels a bit more sterile compared to what it was for me. We understand why, you know, like they're trying to appeal to the largest market and we want it to do well. Um, I prefer the old grungy underground NXT personally, um, but the, I, I do think there's a lot of really talented, awesome people in that company. We, we want to see our friends do well. Of all of those talented people that you guys got to work with, who do you think is there that maybe people aren't as aware of what they can bring to the table or somebody that you think has like huge star potential? I think Joe Gacy, what he's doing right now is super interesting. I was a very big fan of Right to Censor back in the day. Me personally, I love character work, whether it's in movies, whether it's in theater, whether it's in wrestling. And when people commit to playing a character and they're super committed, I just really enjoy that. I'm a very big fan of, you know, embracing the whole ideology of larger than life. And um, I don't think there's anything wrong with someone being relatable with the audience or like taking a social issue and like characterizing that. I think it makes it interesting, but you, you put all that together and I think you have something really interesting to watch there. And Joe Gacy has been in the business for a really, really long time. He has, in my opinion, like a very, very large range of things he can do in the ring and as a character. Um, obviously, you know, Bronson Rex Steiner, I think has a huge upside, really, really nice kid, super humble, works his ass off. I met all of those guys when I was there, when they were just hired coming up and all of them had the right attitude. It's also cool that uh, a friend of ours, Daniel Vito um, and uh, people like Gigi Dolan, uh, when they first got to NXT, you know, because there was a lot of the old people there, these people were there, not Gigi, but Daniel was there for years. He didn't really have a chance to be on TV yet. So it's cool with NXT 2.0 that there's a lot of faces that have been there for years and finally now they're getting to shine. But the one thing I think I'm really a little bit envious of is uh, the girls now are allowed to be a little bit more sexy. Um, that's the new thing, NXT 2.0. Uh, 
She had to scale some I shit had to scale it. Even with clothes, sometimes it'd be really low cut and they'd look at me right before going on. They'd be like, you need a little mesh there or something. I'm like, okay, I'm like, let me go fix that real quick. I'll put a little like mesh, just like pull down the shorts a little bit. But now I don't think they have that rule anymore. So I'm a little jealous of that. Her and I were are fans of a lot of the late 90s, early 2K wrestling. I timelessly watch it. ECW, I mean, like that just... I don't know. That spoke to the both of us, that sort of environment. Yeah, I know it's 2021, but like, again, her and I have always tried to look at a show and go, let's see all the bases everybody has covered. What can we give to them that's that's not a base that's covered? And that was sort of the deal that she was trying to do. And the, with the Women's Revolution, like the Diva thing was the opposite. So it was super fun to do that. And it's fun It's fun to dress sexy and look sexy when no one's telling you to do it. Yes. Also, if someone's trying to force you and telling you to take your clothes off, I'd be like, hell no. But when it's me, you know, choosing my outfits and doing all that stuff, it's super fun and cool for me. A segue into your OnlyFans. What goes into like putting together your OnlyFans and like what kind of content goes out on that? I generally don't like posting on social media. I'll post maybe like once a week, if that. Um, so there was a lot of people messaging me saying, hey, um, you know, you could make a lot of money doing this and just you'd have to share more content. So I'm just putting out basically like photos and videos and uh, communicating with the fans every single day. So it's, it's like more exclusive content behind the scenes of photo shoots. A lot of friends of mine started doing it during the pandemic and they're like, you don't have to compromise yourself or do anything you're not comfortable with, but there is an audience and there's, there's a lot of money to be made. Um, and you know, like, there's been a lot of uh, like positive feedback from it. What is the level of sexiness that you push for the boundaries on something like that? I guess, what would you, I don't know how you would answer that. It's um, very sexy. It is, it is very sexy. I mean, I saw the lights photo, girl. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot, out there. a lot of that. But um, it, enough, like we have a very, uh, we have very good communication in our relationship to make sure it doesn't compromise our intimacy or anything like that. So um yeah, I've been very open with everything I'm going to be posting. He actually was helping with my one sexy photo shoot. I did an American Beauty photo shoot, yep. and he's the one putting the roses on my body and stuff like that. Things like that. Like he's, he's very supportive. Every relationship is different, but with her and I, we've always been very secure with each other. She's a young, beautiful woman, and she wants to be in control of her print work and the things that she wants to do, and I've always been cool with that. Mm -hmm. I've never been about changing anybody. Neither one of us have ever had to change mm -hmm. since the first day we met each other, and I'm actually really proud of her that she's doing this. So I feel like there's like that stigma with OnlyFans that like I don't even know how to like phrase it properly because I'm I'm very uneducated on the OnlyFans world. But what like what is your opinion on the stigma that comes with OnlyFans? I wasn't comfortable with it before WWE um, because I didn't want people to feel like I was doing it because I was I was forced to or I was desperate. I also view WWE very much like Disney. And I thought if I would post anything like that, even have an account, I'm never getting hired. I'm never going to be doing any of this mainstream stuff. Um, a friend of mine, he's actually on the board for OnlyFans and he's a photographer I'd work with in Chicago. And uh, he told me originally it wasn't supposed to be a sexual website, but a lot of the, uh, the sex workers joined it um, for income. But there's a lot of uh, chefs and people who can teach you how to, you know, like fix your toilet. Floyd Mayweather. As Floyd well. Mayweather's on it. There's a lot of UFC fighters. I was going to say that with the UFC fighters that were on there, I know there was sort of like a bit of flack that they were getting for joining OnlyFans. And yeah, I think it's just like that stigma that like people just aren't as aware of the versatility that is, yeah, that's kind of in there that, yeah, I mean, you put out whatever you want, right? And uh, they get daily posts. And like, if I'll post one photo on Instagram, you'll get six, like six of those photo shoots on there. Um, I'm doing discounts for eight by tens and cameos, things like that. And actually responding to fans. I have 
thousands of messages in my Instagram I never respond to on there. If you're a subscriber, I actually answer your messages. So things like that. Very cool. Awesome. Um, Okay. Before I let you guys go, I know you're both big um, film buffs, film buffs. Wow. Let's do a pickup on that. (laughs) Give me your, uh, your top films. They change quite a bit, but one that's usually up there on the top five always is the prestige with Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale. Um, The other one is on the other side of the genre reanimator. Hellraiser is going to be up there as well. Uh, Obviously American psycho. So with Christian Bale is another one. I go back and forth to liking um, musicals to horror films. So my favorite movie of all time is Moulin Rouge. Um, and then I also, besides the B-Horror, I love uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, what are some of my other favorite movies? Like what, Bollywood. I've been watching a lot of Bollywood Lots movies. Of Bollywood. Like, what are some good Bollywood movies? I've never I've never actually watched a Bollywood movie. Go on Netflix and watch uh, Om Shanti Om. I just put that on last night. That's what we were just watching. But if you want to get like the gist of what a Bollywood film is like, watch that. And that's on Netflix and there's uh, subtitles, but that's, that's one we're just watching last night. But it's very, it's very like campy and like, you know, lots of music and just very over the top. What do you think about some of the remakes of, uh, of some musicals that we've been seeing from the cats remake to, to West side story. What do you think of some of those remakes that have been done? Cats, they, they're like, they're covered in fur, but the cats have like, women have boobs and then the cats have like human fingers. So even just that, I was like, eh, like this fingers i'm like that's oh, a little odd. well west side story we're probably gonna see today actually but um you, you don't watch the musicals with me he'll uh he'll fall asleep pretty quickly during musicals though that's like your bedtime yeah, yeah. I, I mean i it's not that i'm disinterested but like i i love musicals i do love theater uh, i'm a huge theater nerd repo the genetic opera was yes. the perfect oh, ground for me that was a musical and a horror. Our dog, our dog absolutely <laughs> loves uh, musicals, but she and she hates violent stuff. So I'll, I'll put it on sometimes. He'll fall asleep and then she'll be watching the TV. Um, but that's usually your bedtime stuff. You fell asleep during Hamilton. Yes, I did. It lies in the theater and I'm not like, stop snoring. I also did, but I know it's it's great. I need to go back and fully give Hamilton my time because I know it's great, but I just, I'm a simpleton sometimes. What can I say? All right, guys, thank you so much for for coming on Oral Sessions, hanging out with me. I'm really excited for what the future has for you guys. And um, just your perspective on everything is really, really cool to hear. Thank you for having me. All right. Bye, guys. Take care. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me and not even just for this episode, but throughout all of 2021. Uh, You know, a lot of times we're stuck at home, life is weird, or you're commuting, however you decide that you're listening to podcasts. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to want to listen to mine. And I know, especially in the world of wrestling podcasts, man, there's like a shit ton of them out there. Uh, So it's really cool to have uh, you guys let me be one of your trusted voices of uh, these conversations that you want to have with people and I mean, even, you know, more so too is to have these people want to come on my show and tell their story. I really, really appreciate that. And yeah, I just, I love that. It's really, really cool. I think we've built a really great community here of people that are a part of this podcast and people that want to listen to this podcast and people that want to come on this podcast. So let's keep that party going. Have a great New Year's, everybody. I hope everybody had a really great holiday. And um, hey, while we're at it and I'm plugging things head on over to my YouTube. Just search Renee Paquette and everything will pop up right there for you because if you like what you hear, you can see it over there. You don't want to miss that stuff. So head on over there, subscribe, uh, turn on those notifications because we're constantly releasing a ton of content over there. So don't miss out. All right, guys, this has been The Sessions. I'll see you guys in 2022.